Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. Doesn't matter when you listen to this podcast, I reckon I'll still be scratching my head at the Bulldogs. What's going on? I'm not talking about the players either. The coach, the coaching and the selections. Are you serious? You Bulldogs fans deserve way better. Good luck to Kyle Flanagan. Good luck to all your teams this weekend. Now it's time to sit back, relax, get nude and enjoy. You've been warned. This is Andy Raymond Unfiltered, The Weekly Wodge. Back in the day, there was a theory that young blokes would be blooded in first grade, then given time to sort of find themselves as footballers. Not anymore. This latest generation of footballers have been on fire since game one. Our guest hasn't even clocked up 50 games yet. Not even close. But Jason Saab playing awesome footy, mate, it has been quite a ride so far. Yeah, mate. It's, um, it's been unreal, hey. Um, I think I definitely um, was um, blotted into the game probably in the, the old school way because yeah. I had a bit of you know, learning to do and uh, had a few hard lessons along the way. And, um, you know, I'm still learning tough lessons, you know, every day. So, um, yeah, I definitely haven't yeah, haven't um, finished my apprenticeship of 50 games yet. So, you know, I'm still learning and stuff. But, um yeah, no, it's been it's been a good you know start to, to my career. You know, I've been uh, fortunate enough to you know uh, join a, uh, such a great club and yeah. um, been a great player, great coach, and that's really helped me um, unlock you know my playing abilities. And um, you know, obviously, the goal you know this year as well is to just um, work build on the, on the recent year and just continue to get better every day. At the time of recording this, 34 games, 30 tries. Jeez, it looks easy. I know it's not. But in the modern game, the wingers probably getting maybe a bit more space and a bit more time with broken play. Fair call? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the, the players you have around you as well make a big influence on that. You know, we've got, um, you know, obviously, you know, it's Cherry Evans and Turbo, um, a big when it comes to moving the ball across the park and attacking from anywhere on, on the field. And mm. having those plays allows me, to, you know, to get the ball into space, you know, from any position in the field. So, um, you know, and that, that's, I guess, my speed's my you know, strongest asset. So um, I'm able to use that, you know, thanks to those guys. And, um, yeah, I guess, you know, it's um, the game's a lot faster as mm. well. And, and then, um, it's, we're not the only team that's, um, you know, that's, you know, um, throwing the ball around mm. from anywhere in the park. So, um yeah, no, I think it's I think it's really good. I think it really suits my my play style, which is just get the ball and run. But um, yeah, no, it's it's awesome, mate. It's um, you know, it, it's I enjoy it. Yeah. Do you get sick of people saying, "Oh, geez, he's so fast"? Would you love someone just to say just once, "Geez, that Jason Saab's a good footballer," as opposed to, "Gee, Jason Saab's fast." <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, yeah. No, I, I think um, I think you know. I, because it is, you know, my best asset. I guess you know a lot of people um, enjoy it. So you know, it's probably the first thing they say. Um, I think definitely, you know, um, I, you know, 
I've acknowledged or, or it's been acknowledged that I'm you know a fast player, but yep. more importantly, I'm gonna, I want to be a good footballer. You know, before I'm just a fast player. You know, that's um that's what's going to win you a premiership. You know, you know speed will help, but uh, it's not the only thing that's going to help you reach those goals. So um, I think you know this year for me especially is um uh, not just being you know so fast, but just being a good footy player in general. Thanks for dropping in, mate. Really appreciate it. We'll chat again soon as the season goes on. No worries, mate. Cheers. 50 games already, and had it not been for injury and 2020, Jake Turpin would be already well on his way to 100, mate. Favourite game so far? Does one stand out above the others? Um, I could probably pick two, actually. Um, my second ever game of first grade was Semi Friday's last ever home game at Suncorp. Okay. And um, it was like, packed out, packed, packed out. It was, it was my second ever game. I think Macca hurt himself. He got knocked out by Dylan Harper, I think, the week before. And so I got told I was playing, you know, just halfway through that week. And, yeah, they, it was Semi Friday's last home game, as I said. And 55,000 or 52,000 at wow. Suncorp. And it was, yeah, it was ridiculous. It was one of the favourite games. I think we ended up, you know, beating them convincingly. And, it was just such a cool game to be a part of. Um, you know, packed out Suncorp crowd for semi and um, they all come onto the field after the game as they do for like, you know, the boys having their last yeah. game at Suncorp. And, but then it was another game actually um, against Cronella, down in Cronella, where we had, I think it was Xavier Coates, um, Reese Kennedy, Herbie Farnworth and some of might be Shawnee O'Sullivan's debut for the club. Yep. And we, <laughs> it was a, one of the most weirdest games I've ever played in. We, I started, I was playing 5-8 uh, um, in that game, actually. And I think me halfback was Shawnee O'Sullivan and he got injured the first half and Maka ended up having to go to half. So we had two hookers in the halves. Um, I think Chico come on and played hooker. We had, you know, the most youngest side ever, yeah. you know, the typical baby Broncos, you know. It was the most youngest side I've ever seen. And we ended up winning that, you know, on the bell. And it was just, yeah, it was one of the most weirdest games and one of the most funnest games I've ever played in. It was just... Me and Maka, you know, who are really good mates, you know, off the field. <laughs> we were in the half, half, half back and five eight together, and um, we we're just laughing about it the whole game and just having so much fun doing it. And it ended up working for us because we actually got, the, you know, the, the chocolates at the end of the game. But it was definitely up there, one of the funnest games I've ever played in. Mate, I do remember the game. Now, is there one game that still gives you nightmares that you would love to forget about, but you just can't for whatever no. reason? Oh, 100%. That, that semi final against Para. Yep. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know what to say about it. We trained that good that week. We had that much confidence going into it that week, and it was gives me nightmares because my again a little pinch myself moment. My back rower, I was playing five eight, which I've never done before really. Um, and my back row was Matt Gillette, one of the best ever back rowers ever played this game. Yep. And yeah, I look at Simon got Matt Gillette outside me, and that was his last ever game. And so I feel so sorry for him and so bad for him. But yeah, that night that. Yeah, that, I think that was you know, an Arvo game. That gives me nightmares, 100%. Okay, we'll leave that one behind. Congratulations <laughs> on number 50 legend. Enjoy the milestone. Appreciate it, mate. Thank you. This is the part of the podcast where we've put you in charge. You're asking the questions. Our superstars are giving their answers. Look out. Let's start with the Dragons, Andrew McCulloch. Mate, we start with a question from Coza in Logan. Yeah, right. He said, what's your favourite end-of-season holiday spot and story, Andrew? End-of-seat, uh, like Triple Way? Yeah. Or... 
Uh, tri- oh, triple wave be probably my first one. Uh, I think uh, 2009, I think, uh, you know, end of season trips were a, a pretty big thing then. And I was lucky enough to go to Cancun um, with about 15 of the boys for um, seven nights. Um, we were um, stayed at a resort. Um, yeah, it's a great time, as you expect, being with all the boys. I was yeah. 19 out of the I thought that was what most end of year trips looked like. They slowly declined after a while. But, um, yeah, I just remember being at a, a nightclub called Senior Frogs and um, there's, a, there's a slide through the club and you can obviously go out in the ocean and there's a gated – there's a part that's sort of gated off from where you um, fall in. And the lady after a while, you know, boys are going through, but then Nick Kenny decided to jump out to the open part, which wasn't sort of caged off. And um, she's come out from behind the bar and um, told everyone to sort of stop because there's alligators in that water that they was jumping out into. So. <laughs> He, he was lucky enough to come back in and nothing got hurt. But, yeah, that was a, that was a nice eye-opener at 19. Beauty. Next up, the great Matty Geyer. Last one. I'll say sorry first. It's from Pete Thompson from Gungarlan. Have you watched back the entire 08 grand final or is that one game you won't watch? You never – I'd be really surprised if anyone watches I'd watch the I'd watch the 08 one before I watch the 06 one, put it that way. Okay. Wow. Because uh, – Personally, that 06 one, that's that's one I just don't want to see again. Okay. But um, even though we were closer in 06, um, I, and I think we were really unlucky in 06, I think there was yeah. a few calls that sort of – they better team won on the day, but um, yeah, there's just a, like a few of those calls where we're a young team and we just didn't have that resilience to sort of hold yeah. on and go with it. And uh, But yeah, 08, no, no. I, uh, I get told by enough for Manly pundits around – I get, to, I get reminded oh. of that game enough that uh, there's no need, no need to watch that one again. No. Hey, Legends, I hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. How would you like to be part of our team? Our sponsorship packages are ready to go. From scripted ads to website placement and social media promotions, personal appearances, voice recordings and more, the opportunities are limited only by your imagination. You set the terms. Unfiltered is reaching hundreds of thousands of potential clients every single week and we cater to businesses both big and small. We'll work with you to guarantee you get exactly what you want, how you want and when you want. Next week, we could be promoting you right here. Packages start from as little as a couple of hundred dollars. If you're interested in joining our team, go to our website and hit the sponsorship tab. Go to andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. We've all made blues along the journey. I still do, and according to my wife, I do it daily. One day I'll man up and answer her back, but not just yet. She's... See, she's a big woman, my wife. Physically, she's got me covered. She she looks more like Glenn Lazarus than Craig Wing, if you get my drift. Anyway, <laughs> where, where were we? Redemption. It comes in many ways, many different forms. After a strike against his name, our guest Tane Milne looked to reignite his career and penned a note to then Warriors coach Stephen Kearney. Mate, do you remember what was in the letter to Steve? Because it was very personal. Um, yeah, mate. Actually, um, with that, with what happened there, um, I, I was actually, I was actually on my way to Melbourne. I was, I was going to Melbourne. Wow. Uh, I, I had a call. Uh, I uh, personally called Craig Bellamy myself, and he, um, 
he he was on holiday. He was I think he was in Hawaii or I'm not too sure where he was, but yeah, he actually was uh, interested and he he said he would give me a call back. So I waited a few few weeks and um in those few weeks I I ended up uh, tying the Warriors um uh getting the Warriors interested and had a had a deal ready to go there. So he actually rang me back and I was excited too. So you know Melbourne's the big um, yeah big dogs of the NRL and um, he actually called me back and said if you have a deal if you have a deal right now you just take it mate because I can't I can't uh, guarantee you getting a trial or whatever over here so okay um well what um the with the Warriors there, there was sort of a bit of hesitation and um uh, I just thought uh, it would be good um just to reach out and just just to show my um commitment to to what I'm going to do there and I just uh yeah, I just wrote him just a just a note from from um what I was thinking at the time and what 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 I was sacrificing. Awesome. I uh, learned, learned my lesson and uh, some sort of stuff like that. I can't really, I can't remember exactly, but uh, yep. I remember there there was a few there was a few uh, spelling mistakes in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was I was I was pretty honoured to uh, give it to Steve, uh, Kearney there. He um. He actually hung it up in his office, and every time he called me in there, he's pointing at it, saying, "Look, look at your look at your letter there, mate. You, you come a long way." So that's awesome, um, mate. I really appreciated what he did for me, and, and gave me opportunity uh, there at the Warriors. You just wanted a chance, right? You didn't want a promise of a of a jersey or a spot. You just wanted a chance to impress. Is that right? Yeah, mate, I just, yeah. I just wanted a chance to uh, impress and uh, and just get another shot at uh, just the NRL level and back in the system. Um, so obviously, you know, I, I I done what I did and I stuffed up, broke the rules, and I learned my lesson. So I was just trying to get back on my feet, and there was also an opportunity as well to go back to New Zealand. My, yeah. my obviously my rest of my family's there, so caught up with a lot of um, you know, I, I live with my grandma there, so for two years, and that was that was an awesome experience just catching up with her and yeah, and uh, my little cousins all around all around the streets and stuff, so. That was, that was an awesome time for me. Mate, I've got a little bit of useless trivia for you that you might want to have a chat with Jason Demetrio about. <laughs> you have not yeah. lost a first-grade game since July 14, 2017. <laughs> mate, throw, well, you, throw yeah. you in the side. Mate, right. I'd make you bloody captain. <laughs> but I'll, we were actually talking about it last year when I was um, – I think we were in the Gold Coast there and I, and I was talking to Jacob Host. Yeah, he's uh one of the, one of the, one of the players from our South Sydney team that I was at uh, St George together with. Uh, I was just, I was actually saying, bro, like, because I, I only played that one game at the Warriors at NRL level, and, yep. and then I done done my ACL round one, uh, twenty twenty. Um, I was like, bro, like, I, I haven't lost, I haven't lost a game, like, you know, I, I didn't play the um, Melbourne and the Penrith games, but um, yeah, we just there was just a conversation there, and he, and he was searching it up, and we try to find out what the last. Dragons game I played and I couldn't I couldn't find it but it was something like four or five hundred days or something. That, that was is, pretty. That was pretty funny. Mate, yeah, that's laugh. brilliant. That is brilliant. Yeah. Always good chatting, mate. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, mate. It is Clarky's call. It is that time of the podcast where each and every week. Myself and Clarkie are after your opinion. Clarkie, on his outrageously good social media network, makes a call and some of the responses we air here. Clarkie has joined me. What do you got? What's your call this week, great man? G'day, Andy and listeners. This week, uh, I went with the Eels are playing their best footy. 
and could win the grand final. Now, whether that's uh, a joke or I'm dead serious, I'll let the viewers uh, be the judge of that. But look, it's a way too early prediction. Um, if I had to make a call right now, I think them versus Panthers looks likely. Yeah. Um, and when you think about it, they were only two points short last year against the Panthers, who did go on to win it all. Yeah, are you, um, let's be honest here, are you just taking the piss out of me and, and asking fans to give it to my Eels? I, I know you are a big Eels fan. <laughs> I'm just looking at your Facebook. You've had a look at Instagram. Uh, there's a lot of these ones, like Gloria Styles. Too early to make a decision like that. I say the Panthers will win. But the general feeling is Harris good this time of year, not so at the end. Yeah, generally that's what you know fans sort of go to. There's... A, there's a bit of a theme with Parramatta where they start really strong and they seem to peter off towards the end of the year. Um, Leroy McCauley, he notes this. He says, look, they always do this. I agree they're playing better than other years, but come finals, they always choke. Um, I'm not sure if I'd go as far to choke. I thought they were pretty unlucky last year against Penrith. A few calls there that they had gone the other way. Maybe we could have seen the Eels in a grand final. Sam Honeyman says, oh, being a long-time Para supporter... Uh, Clarky, that's a big call, only four rounds in, but we can only encourage and hope. Cheers. Um, anyone really get behind you and, uh, and and give us some hope? Well, there was uh, one that gives a lot of hope, but it's, um, I would say it's from a Parramatta Eels fan. His Instagram was winners take chances, triple eight one. He says they should have beat Penrith in the finals last year. They were robbed when the Penrith chainer cheated and stop play when Para won or on a roll. Do you remember? I do remember. What about you, Andy? I'm sure you remember. I remember, and I also know who winners take chances is, and he lived two doors down the road from me as kids, um, and he is a Parramatta Reels tragic, the great Scipio. Uh, thank you very much. Stevie Bender wrote, you don't win a comp in round five, but in saying that, how good would it be to see Parramatta versus Penrith? That would be unreal. The battle of the West in the grand final, I would have to say grand finals wouldn't get much bigger than that. James Gap says, I don't love it or hate it, Clarky. Okay, so some fans are smack, dang in, uh, smack bang in the middle, yeah. rather, sorry. And I guess that sort of goes back to the fact that we are only four rounds in, so it's super tough to make a prediction like this. What about this one, Andy? This one's my favourite of them all. Andre Munahan says... Bold of you to assume they can beat the Warriors in the semis. And I just love that Warriors fans always find a way to insert themselves. Love that. Love that, mate. It has been a pleasure once again and and a really good uh, variation of responses and reasons from uh, the hundreds, literally, that responded on, uh, on your social media. Where can we find you, buddy? Yeah, Clarkie's Rugby League column all across social media, guys. If you're interested in footy takes, opinions and really posts every single day, then Clarkie's Rugby League column is your place. 46 games for the Panthers, 21 for the Bulldogs, and just over 30 for the Raiders. My maths hasn't always been great, but Corey Harawira-Nida, I reckon that means game 100 is coming soon. That's a cool milestone, mate. It is, and it? <laughs> obviously I've had some ups and downs through the years, but yeah. you know, I'm going pretty close to obviously where a lot of kids, you know, want to play your first game, but to play 100, I think everyone would say it's, it's pretty crazy. It goes pretty quickly. We all have things that we would change and we all have decisions we'd like again, but you mentioned the ups and the downs. At the end of the day, it's all part of the journey, part of the story, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is, it is. And it, it sometimes is a blessing in disguise when, when you go through those sort of rough times and, um, you know, being able to come out on the other side and, and, it, and it does help a bit of character as well. What do you remember of your debut game, buddy? Um, well, we were lucky that um, I found out, I think we played a, a Saturday or maybe a Sunday midday game and I found out quite early in the week, but we are all obviously playing reserve grade at the time. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was uh, like a, a lot of us in the sort of team room just mucking around and Cam Serraldo come in as like, oh, coach wants to talk to you. And everyone kind of like, oh, it's happening, it's happening. But I don't know. I, I, I went read and I was like, nah, surely not. Walked into Hook's office and he's like, um, look, I'm not going to name you um, in the 17, but I'm going to play this week. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I didn't, I probably would have ate three meals in about whatever the build up was, five days. And yeah. Yeah, the nerves. Um, yeah, I, I like like everyone would say, it's it doesn't compare just that first time, you know, running out, warming up. Um, we're lucky enough and, and put on a pretty good performance as a team and we ended up um, getting a solid win over um, Newcastle, it was. And it was mum's birthday as well and everyone oh. that kind of knows me. I'm, I'm a big mummy's boy, so yeah. it was just a, it made it more special. Mate, absolutely. Um, making a debut but not being able to say anything, frustrating? Oh... Obviously, they said tell your family, but try and not let them, you know, yeah. let it get out either. So, and you know how coaches can be. They kind of use that as a, yeah, like kind of like protect us young guys that yeah. are getting their first crack because obviously you kind of get tested. But, uh, yeah, like I said, the thing that stood out for me the whole week is I was just so nervous I couldn't eat. I was throwing up just before kickoff. It was just – I ended up coming to come off with about – I think it was about 25 minutes ago because I was cramping. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, have you got a favourite game along the journey, one that stands out for whatever reason? Um, obviously, everyone would say their debut. Yeah. Um, one that wasn't NRL would probably definitely be the Māori All-Stars and, and being able to debut for the Kiwis. That's quite big for me. But yep. there was a game, I think my last game for Penrith, I think it was 2018 against the Sharks and probably one of the best games I had had for the club. But obviously, we ended up going down and bowing yeah. out. But yeah, that was kind of like a bittersweet feeling. Like, yeah, more probably more bitter than anything, knowing it was my last game for the club. But yeah, I, I, I feel like a lot of us that have come through the Premier system uh, still hold, hold the club quite dearly to our, to our, to our hearts. Hundred percent. Plenty more coming in the next few years. I've got no doubt. Pleasure as always, Legend. Keep well. Cheers, man. Thank you. Would you like a personal message, something nice, something sweet, something highly inappropriate and downright rude? I can do that. I'm on Swish now, whatever your occasion, whatever the message, go to heyswish.com, Swish, S-W-Y-S-H. Go there and search Andy Raymond. Whatever you want, whenever you want, consider it done a cool and a different present for that special occasion or you don't even need an occasion. You might just want to give one of your mates a serve. Massive Legends series next week. Normally, this is the part of the podcast where I give you a little taste or a little tease of what's coming up. Not this week. It's a surprise and one worth waiting for. While you're waiting, though, let's go back to episode 14 and 15 with the great Anthony Minicello. With the setbacks, it makes the bounce back often... uh, more appreciated and, and makes you prouder yep. of what you've done. 
In 2011, you had returned and returned to the type of form that saw you once again put a State of Origin jersey on. How fulfilling was that? Yeah, that was that was pretty fulfilling. Because in I think that game in 2007 when I got I was already been injured and I got selected back in Origin. I had a game. It was a, yeah, it was a game up in Queensland, and you know my wife's pretty passionate, and you know she she could get into a few arguments if she wanted to on the <laughs> in the crowd. And I said, oh look, don't don't come up to Queensland because. Yeah. You'll probably end up in an argument, you know. <laughs> Just wait to Sydney, game two. You'll have to fight so the whole state. Of, yeah, that's right. So I said, look, don't don't come up. Wait to Sydney. And, you know, as the story went, as I just mentioned, I got injured and didn't play the game in game two. Yeah. So I always sort of regretted that moment. Um, and then coming back in 2011, you know, she was at the game and all the family were there and, you know, I scored the winning try, and yep. it was that was a pretty amazing moment. You know, for for everyone and myself included. Did it feel right? Did it feel as though, through all the setbacks and the pain you'd been through, that the football gods or whoever was looking over you, you know, just did you a favour and made it right on that night? Yeah, I suppose so. Um, I was hoping they'll make it right in game three, but that wasn't the case. (laughs) (laughs) Footy podcast, I know. Well, mostly footy anyway. We've interviewed several athletes from different sports, guys like Danny Green, John Wayne Parr, Darcy Ward, Dick Johnson, and this guy, UFC royalty, Big John McCarthy. You mentioned how the industry has come such a long way and the rules back then, basically there were three rules, no biting, no gouging, (laughs) no nut shots. Now, I guess we can look back and roll our eyes a little because it was so different. It created its own hype, but it also gives us now something to compare the sport in 2022 and the sport, the legitimate sport, has come so far. Oh, you know, people, it's so funny because people will all the time go back to those early fights and, you know, ask me, why did you let them pull each other's hair? That's illegal. You should, you know, I can't believe you let that go. Or why did you let this go? It's like, uh, cause back then that was not against yeah. the rules, you know, so many different things. In fact, you just laid out the three rules, you know, that there were, you know, no biting, no eye gouging and no groin strikes. Well, that was UFC one. Because at UFC 2, that changed to where it was no biting, no eye gouging, but they said you can use groin shots because... Which was the famous groin shot? Oh, the big, the most famous was from UFC 4, and that was Keith Hackney against Joe Sun. Oh, and yeah. Keith Hackney's got his hand on his throat, and he's hitting him to the groin area, hitting him in the cup, and uh, oh. that has lived on in infamy. As it does. (laughs) What were the first real changes that you noticed in the sport? Was it the professionalism, the ownership, uh, the public interest, or in the cage maybe that early influx of kickboxers, the growing list of American wrestlers? I think that, you know, the biggest influx in the very beginning was most people had no appreciation, especially here in the West, as we would say. No people had an appreciation for grappling. Everything was about yeah. the striking arts. Everything was about, you know, guys that could punch and kick 
and move well in the stand-up position. But many people just gave no validity to when someone was grappling. I keep saying any episode, any time, and it's true, none of our podcasts date ever. If you missed it when it came out, doesn't matter. They've all been done, so time doesn't matter. You can listen to them whenever you're ready. They're ready. They're waiting. Here's a little from a 2020 podcast with Mitch Moses talking about Bryce Cartwright. Yes, I, I remember Bryce Cartwright absolutely tearing us to shreds. Um, mate, we went undefeated the whole season and we thought we were world beaters. We were yeah. flogging every single side that they come into us. We had, we had a really good side with the, you know, players like Casey Pritchard, um, Danny Falala, who's just finished now, yeah. Paulie Paulie. Um, we were that hard to beat, I guess. And we pretty much just beat ourselves. And Bryce Cartwright just absolutely mm. tore us to shreds that day. And uh, I'll never forget it. It was, it was pretty upsetting. We went through undefeated the whole year until lose the grand final. It was pretty upsetting. But uh, we, had, we had a great side. And um, a lot of players succeed and um, go on to play first grade footy. So many first graders were superstar kids. And, and a lot of people talk about Brad Fittler back in the day. And he was superb. Or Timmy Brasher. Now it's... David Fafita and Payne Haas. I don't think Bryce Cartwright gets the recognition he probably deserves because as a junior, he was near fucking invincible. Yeah, he, he was he was unbelievable. The like I said, he he, he did set um he did set beers by himself and he was as, as skillful as they come as, mm. as you know, he was probably the same size as what he, what yeah. he is now at playing Harold Matz and Ashley Ball and he was just had that much skill and he was a big five eight and he was the man mate, child, like said, wasn't he? He, he? he was, he was, and he was, he was hard to stop. And yeah. um, you know, he took that into his early years of first grade, and he's just in a bit of a form slump at the moment. But he'll, he'll come out of it, I'm sure. You've fired up the Barbie. You've stacked the esky. Who do you invite, and why? This is dinner date, table for eight. Okay, a bit of fun between all the footy talk on this episode. We're about to find out if the Eels' Hayes Dunster is any good on the barbecue and who he'd invite to the perfect dinner party slash Sunday sesh. Actually, don't worry about the dinner party. That sounds formal. Let's just term it a Sunday sesh. Hayes, what's your go-to on the barbecue? Are you any good and and, and what do you like to cook? Uh, I I wouldn't say I'm any good. I can I can cook a few steaks and stuff, just the casual stuff from Woolies. But yeah, I know you're a master chef. Uh, you're in good company there. Okay, eight guests, any field, any time, any country, any industry, doesn't matter. Who would you invite and why? All right, so I had to write these down and think about it a little bit. But um, for one, two, and three, I wrote down um, Michael Jordan, LeBron, and um, Kobe, right? Wow. Uh, you know, just go to the game and it would be cool to sort of learn their mentality and their come up of uh, of what they've done and yeah, and, yeah their stories pretty much. Um, for number four, I wrote Bob Marley just oh. for, for the family. I've got a big uh, reggae family, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, get get him in there. Um, I got uh, Adele Beckham Jr. Yep. Yeah, a bit of a man crush on him. I like like his style and stuff. He's the current the way, man uh, crush, is he? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yep. Pretty trendy. And um, yeah, and his story too. Like he, he's in a Super Bowl now, going from sort of unwanted at Cleveland and stuff. Very um, much, yeah. Great um, story, then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, six and seven, I've got um, Tupac and Biggie. 
sort of figure out what happened between them and yeah, you know, sort of see what all the go was there. And um, number eight, I got either Kevin Hart or um, Dave Chappelle. You know, they're, uh, they're both real funny guys, so need some laughs at the the barbecue. Okay, we'd have plenty of laughs with Kevin Hart and Dave Chappelle. We might have a stink, but it's some really good stories with Tupac and Biggie. Uh, later in the afternoon, after a couple of beers and we venture onto the cocktails, it might be a little bit of time for Bob Marley as we light one up. And then Odell Beckham Jr., Michael Jordan, LeBron James and Kobe Bryant to tell us their stories, what stories they are too. Yeah, yeah. Mate. It would be an all-time afternoon. Appreciate you dropping in, and we'll chat again soon, buddy. Easy. Thank you. Want to win an unfiltered trucker's hat? Go to Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast. Then simply give us a five-star rating and review. Write whatever you want. We don't care. It's the stars that matter. Funniest weekly review wins the prize. Simple. Simple question, because I'm a simple guy, and we hope you're enjoying this episode <laughs> of the podcast. The man you can hear laughing is from the Sharks. It is Luke Medcalf. Who was the idol or idols growing up, mate, um, and why? Um, my idol, Sean Johnson. I loved Sean Johnson wow. growing up. I remember, um, 2011, I think it was, um, when he played. Like I think it might have been his debut year, and they made it to the grand final. Yep. Um, yeah, oh, I just loved Sean Johnson, like, because he was a halfback and he's like, um, like, sort of loved to run the ball and stuff like that. I just tried to emulate whatever he did. Like, if he did something on a Friday night game on Saturday yep. morning, I was trying to do the exact same, <laughs> the exact same thing. But um, yeah, I, that's why I was crazy when I found out I was coming back to Cronulla. I was like, I'm gonna like meet Sean Johnson. I remember on my Facebook profile, I had like from back in 2013 when he scored the try against um, um. England, where I think he might have like stepped George Burgess or yeah, one of the birds. I remember like, it. And, 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 uh, yeah, in the semi. And uh, that was my cover photo on Facebook like years ago, but yeah. it was still there. And I was like, shit, I've got to go back and delete that. Yeah, got to get rid of that one. So, yeah. mate, the, the irony is you hooked up with um, your hero at the Sharks. And next season, you're hooking up again. That is really yeah. cool because not many people get the opportunity to say, I did something um, with my hero. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That was like um, when the whole thing first came about. Like I messaged Sean, and he just like um, couldn't speak like couldn't speak highly enough of like what he was saying about the Warriors, and just as well the thought of like going there and playing. Like I didn't get to play with um, Sharks, but I was just thinking like taking myself back to like being a 12, 13, 14 yeah. year old, thinking you're gonna play, you can play with Sean Johnson. Like that's freaking crazy. Like um, like I remember just like he was. I remember they came to Coffs Harbour actually to versus Rabbitohs. I think it might have been twenty twelve. Like yep. I got a photo with him and everything like that. So <laughs> I've, I've I've been trying to find it. I told him and he wanted me to find it, but I can't find it. I, I remember it after it was just at Coffs Harbour Stadium there, and I got a photo with him. I was freaking, I was going crazy. But um, it'll be you know, it's, yeah, it's it's real pretty. It was pretty cool. I like, even meeting him, he was probably the first um player that I met that I was be like, oh, you know, what I mean, that's fucking yeah. that's Sean Johnson. Sorry, I just swore, but um, what's yeah? He was like, oh, that's Sean Johnson. So yeah, no, it was it's pretty cool. Gonna have to find that photo. Will be at the bottom of a box in the spare room yeah. at Mum and Dad's house. I'd reckon. Yeah. Always a pleasure catching up, mate. And good luck on the weekend. No worries. Thank you.
This is Andy Raymond, unfiltered. Here's one for you. Rehab sucks. Our guest is a little used to it and a lot over it. Matt Dury from the Bulldogs has dropped in an ACL late last season, the dreaded ACL, and at the end of the year. Mate, can you run us through what happens following leaving the field? Because as fans, we saw you go down the tunnel and that's sort of the end of it until you reappear, you know, eight months later. Yeah. So it happened in Queensland. So literally two days after I had to fly down back to Sydney and see the the surgeon. And then when I got there, he told me that um, I had to wait eight weeks in a brace to let my my other ligaments heal. So it was just eight weeks of doing fuck all really because of COVID, I couldn't go to gyms or anything. So I was just at home pretty much eating shit all day. And then, um, yeah, so I got surgery. Then that was six weeks in a brace. That was probably the worst pain I've ever felt in my life, that surgery. Really? I I couldn't leave the bed, eh? Like, it was so bad. And then, um, yeah, so then once you get back to training, um, it's pretty much like so a normal day in rehab would be um, get there at seven, get treatment. Um, then while the boys are on the field, I'll be doing cardio yep. with, with the rehab boys inside and then, um, you know, go have lunch or whatever and then just do upper body gym and just do that every day. It's pretty lonely, isn't it, too, because for, for a lot of the day, you're actually not with the playing group. Yeah, most, yeah, and because you're not on the field and you're watching video and you're not in the video, yeah, uh, you're sort of just like, doesn't feel like you're part of the group when you yeah. when you try to include yourself as much as you can. But does the club yeah. look after everything? And, and in terms of um, you know your your rehab and your recovery and your progression, do they tell you what scans you need, where to be, um, then determine the extent of it, etc. Yeah, yeah. So that like yeah, they're pretty good. Like they just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. They'll yep. if, they, if they need to get a scan, they'll send me the scan, or if I need to. I don't know, do this program, they'll give me a program or whatever. So it's pretty, it's pretty like, they make it as easy as possible yep. to, to, to get it right, yeah. Have you got a date circled on the calendar yet, a hopeful date? Well, they say July, Yeah, I'm trying to get back June. Nice. So that's what I'm aiming for, around, around 12, around 14, that, that mark. So What type of spectator are you, mate? Because that means probably for the first 10 or 11 rounds you're going to be watching. How, how do you go on the sideline? Oh, mate, hopefully the camera's on on me when I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> mate, wishing you every success in a speedy recovery. Loved what you did last year, and I really mean that, and I can't wait to see you back on the field, my man. Thanks, mate. There we go, 12 interviews in the one podcast, as promised every week on the Weekly Watch. Well, actually, I do say 12 players, don't I? We've had 11 and Big John. Okay, we're not done yet. We see them every week of the season, but do we really know the role of an assistant coach? Brett White is an assistant with the Canberra Raiders. Mate, how do we define the role of assistant coach? Mate, I, I uh, on game day, so I sit next to Ricky on the sideline and I've got to translate his messages to the players. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, so you try and define that, mate, with um, the way Ricky goes off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, blows up, and then and then trying to go and use his words to tell um, someone like a, a John Bateman or a Josh Papali. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it, it can be tough at, at times, but um, mate, it, it's probably the I, I think one of the best best um, jobs in the game 
you get to be uh, heavily involved in in you know how the game goes for you know inside a club, yep. um, how you play football, um, all the ins and outs of it. But you don't have the pressure of you know the media or um, you know all that stuff being the the face of it either. Yeah. So um, you can sort of fly under the radar and, and get away, just just get your job done. Um, and yeah, that's something I really enjoy about it. Um, still being involved in footy, still having an influence on 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 a team, on players, um, helping players, you know, become better. Um, I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. You know, every now and then, it's it's a, a matter of um, you know maybe challenging an, an idea or bringing a fresh idea in, yep. or um, you know having a different look on things. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's a lot of time. Um, you know. In coaching, you, you spend a lot of time um, involved in footy, working on footy, yep. uh, high, high hours, long hours, um, stressful, but um, certainly a lot of enjoyment. It's, it's almost like having kids. It's, it's really hard work, but it uh, is really rewarding as well. I realise all clubs have variations in who does what job. Some clubs actually have in the past split left side, right side, and middle side, and then they assign a coach to that. Most, though, assign assistants as an attacking assistant and defensive assistant. That's how you guys in Canberra are, right? No, we're sort of probably different again. So um, we've got Andrew McFadden and myself both on uh, defence. Yep. So I'll look after um, yeah, your middles um, in around the ruck the contact, wrestle, um, and Andrew McFadden looks after the edges, yep. um, the backfield, the, the kick defense, um, you know, those sort of things. So we we work together, overlap. Um, you know, 80% of our, our stuff is probably defensively, yep. um, fo- defense focus. And then obviously we've got Ricky, um, Mick Innes, and a guy by the name of Joel Carbone who, um, who's, who's – uh, one of our, he come in as an analyst and is now moving into a coaching role. So the three of those work together on the attack side of things. Um, so there's probably, um, you you go from a head coach to two assistants to now we've got you know, three assistants or four assistants, sorry, um, and a head coach. So as um, you know, it, it's probably grown um, grown again in um, in the footy world. There were probably a dozen occasions over your career where you wanted to belt Michael Ennis on a football field like every other footballer. What's he like in a coach's meeting? Do you ever feel like just reaching over the table and pop? Uh, nothing's changed from what nothing's changed from when I used to play against him. I yeah, still want to um no, Mick Mick's been great. Mick's um you know, he's got so much passion and um you know, he, he coaches the way that he plays. Um, you know, he gives it his all. Um, he's in there looking for every opportunity to, to win. Um, yeah, we have a bit of fun. We we had a few uh, pranks going. Um, he come and run the blue shirt in a troll troll game for us this year, and um, I'd done the first half, and he was going to do the second half. Um, so when I took it off at halftime to give him the blue shirt, I rub a bit of Denka rub all, all on the back of it and give it to him. And uh, mate, I, I thought in the dressing shed he was actually going to put on a stink. He was that that upset by it. Um, and then I, I come in Monday and um, all my all my shoes, had, the laces had been cut in all my shoes. So uh, he got got me back. So, but they're the things you, you know you love that about uh, yeah. footy club. It's it's those little pranks and. Um, yeah, the jokes that the people play—that's where it, um, it it makes that sort of environment you work in um, so enjoyable. 
is a question. If something doesn't work, Ricky's fault, your fault, or do you just blame the player? <laughs> no, <Nah>, well, <laughs> do you want me to answer that seriously? <laughs> you, might get your, you might get yourself into trouble. <laughs> No, it's mate. We're all in it together. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's a team thing. It's yeah, you're um, you're not going to get anywhere if you're you're pointing fingers at each other and 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 carrying on. So yeah, once um, there's plenty of things you know that um, yeah, like Ricky will make a uh, have an opinion on something, and and someone else is against it, or myself is yeah in an opposite. But once that decision's been made, you. You're all in it. Yeah, you're, that's it. You're you're part of it, um, and you get on with it. And you know, if something goes wrong, well, you take responsibility for it. Um, you don't say, "Oh, that wasn't my my decision" or anything like that. And, and that's what teams are about: uh, working together with people. And that uh, doesn't matter who makes a decision. What what matters is uh, everyone's on board and, and heading in the right direction. So, um, mate, it, it's certainly um, yeah, you'd be you'd be in all sorts if you're starting to point fingers at each other. There's got to be a huge level of trust between the coaching staff, doesn't there? I mean, it's just a non-negotiable. It's no different if you're playing, you know, as football players, have got to trust each other. Um, yeah, and it's something we've, you know, as players, you know, you, you learn that in team sports. One of the great things about um, team sports, whatever whatever um, sport you're playing, it's no different. Um, and I guess that, that just revolves right through um, whole organisations and, you know, and, to think back when things haven't haven't gone well um, in the past, and I think back on why it didn't go well. It, it's mm. probably um, a, a breakdown of trust there at some some stage, um, and a, a disconnect of people that that probably lead to um, you know where things go wrong. Side note: and stories like this are really cool and should be made public. But Ricky last year in a private conversation with me was absolutely glowing of his opinion of what you and Andrew McFadden do and have done for the Raiders. That's a really nice rap from the boss, mate. Oh, mate, it, it's, yeah, it, it's it's nice to you know, hear those things. But then the day, like I was saying before, mate, I, when I first come to this club, the, the locker room wasn't in a good place. Yep. And, um, yeah, we certainly wouldn't have been able to do what, what we've done the last couple of years if it wasn't for, um, yeah, the way Ricky's turned it all around. Um yeah, it, it, it hasn't been easy for him. He's had his had his moments, and um, yeah, he's probably a couple of years ago was copping a lot of criticism. But uh, he stuck to his guns. He knew what was right, um, and he's really the one that's been able to put us into um, the the position we are at, at the moment. You know, we've, we've been able to go back to back finals, and uh, yeah, that ha- hasn't happened at the Raiders since two thousand and three, I think it is. So. Um, you know, it certainly lifted the club to, to where they are now. And, uh, you know, it's really important for us. You know, we, we need to work extra hard now to make sure that we don't drop off that. We maintain it and, and lock that in and, and make sure that, that carries on for the next, um, you know, as long as possible. Uh, take a breath and enjoy it. The footy is on and your weekend is sorted. Enjoy the game, order a pizza, grab a coldie, Go hard on a five-leg multi, and don't forget, as always, back pikey in the last. Mm-hmm.